I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com. Monday morning with Scott Eklund. It's the guys from Dogman.com. After yesterday's events in the NFL, all you're going to hear on sports radio is Seahawks, politics, Donald Trump, but Huskies seem to be put in the background even after an impressive road win at Colorado, bumping up to number six in the country. So we're here to give you your Husky football fix. Scott, it's actually good to be back from Colorado. The weather was insane. Um, Parked about four blocks away, got absolutely soaked on the way in. The weather lightened up a little bit, but it continued to rain throughout the game. Uh, I actually, um, Scott, you know this, we always try to find a place post-game to do a podcast. So I went inside the stadium to do the podcast with Fetters. Yeah. They locked me in. I got locked in. I had to climb two fences to get out of the stadium and then uh, started raining wow. Started raining harder on the way back to the car. I'm doing 75 on the freeway at 2 a.m. to try to get back home. And guess what runs out in front of me on the freeway? A damn raccoon I had to avoid. So <laughs> eventful road trip back in Boulder, but it's good to be back home with the number six ranking. And um, what time's the game this week down at Oregon? Is it five, Oregon uh, State, five o'clock? Five o'clock game. Five o'clock game. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, first thoughts, you know, just, you know, you got a chance for all the post game and to rewatch and hit, listen to everybody. Anything stand out with the second look, Scott? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it would be that um, I think the offensive line played actually pretty well, even even early on when they before they were really dominating. They, I mean, Jake Browning really didn't get pressured much at all, if, you know, during the game as far as uh, throwing the ball. And then Miles um, Gaskin just kind of asserted himself, 202 yards, record-setting night for him, career-high. I shouldn't say record-setting, but career-high-setting thing for him. Um, you know, I, I just – I was very impressed with the offensive output. I thought Colorado would give him more of a game. Obviously, that wasn't the case. So, um, you know, it's on to Oregon State. I think Washington will be 5-0 and before uh, they come back home and, and face a pretty good Cal team. So we'll have to see. One of the things I like to do in pregame is go down to the opposition side and watch the size of their linemen. It was pretty obvious to me, even before the game started, where Colorado may have had some talent, but I could just kind of tell, and you just have this feeling that Washington's overline at some offensive line at some point, as well as their defensive line, would take over the game. And usually that happens in the second half, and that's what I saw. I saw uh, both sides of the line you know, just take over. Yeah, and that was the thing. I was I went over to the Colorado board. You like to go to the sidelines. I like to go to the opposing message board. And Colorado has a really good one run by Adam Munster, Target Tiger, over on um, Scout.com. And uh, I went over there just to get a pulse, uh, a feel for what they were doing and what they saw. And they are kind of echoing what you said. They were completely dominated on both sides of the line. They felt it. They could see it happening. Um, they, they feel like they could have got some better scheming from the coaching staff, but eventually you really just have to let the players play. And, and Washington is going to dominate most of the offensive and defensive lines in this, in this league, if they assert themselves. And, and this is one where we really saw something happen, uh, to the Husky offensive line. You could see Nick 
uh, Harris. You could see uh, Coleman Shelton pulling Trey Adams, Caleb McGarry all pulled. Um, Jesse Susby did a little bit too. So all those guys were being pulled and they were running power plays and Colorado just could do nothing to stop it. So I think that was probably a good observation on your part that Washington was going to dominate on both sides of the ball. I think, you know, Hugh Millen hit the nail on the head when he was talking about, um, you know, Colorado coming out in that first series was scripted and the order it was scripted and those plays that they, they had practice and knew backwards and forwards. And those were their absolute best plays on that first drive drive at the best pace. After that, um, you know, after that first drive, seven points on the opening drive, Colorado only scored three points the rest of the game and they were nowhere near as much in sync, you know, the rest of the game as they were on that first drive, Scott. Yeah, I, I would totally echo that. I mean, anybody who watched the game could see that was the case. Um, Washington went 37 to three the rest of the way after that first drive. And, um, you know, I, I think what really surprised me more was that, um, you know, I, I honestly didn't think they were going to miss Chris Malumba that much, but I actually thought he played pretty well in the second half when he came in, but they just didn't have, they, like you said, Kim, they just don't have enough size. They don't have enough athleticism on that defensive side of the ball. Um, their corners are okay. Um, Washington really didn't throw the ball very much. So Jake Browning, I think only had 21 attempts on the night. He was 11 to 21. So, um, you know, Washington figured out the, the key and that was, Hey, we're going to run the ball and we're going to run it some more and we're going to run it some more until you stop us. And, and, uh, Colorado just never stopped them. You know, the word that gets thrown around a lot about in football, you know, as well as sports is identity, you know, and it makes me crazy because I don't think you need to have an identity. And when you talk about this team, I, if you want to talk about the identity that they have early on, I think the identity of this team early on is they don't need an identity. I think that they can play. If you want to play a shootout against Washington, they can beat you. If you want to play low scoring physical football, they can beat you. I think they can beat you in the return game. I just think that they do what's necessary to win football games and they're not going to be pigeonholed into a power running team, a passing team. I just think they're so versatile. It's hard to pigeonhole these guys, Scott. Yeah, I don't. I, I think you're, you're probably right there. They're more multiple than a lot of us thought they would be. We, a lot of us thought they'd end up relying on the run more this year, but in the first three games, they relied more on the pass, and um, and now they've kind of turned back to the run, and you've seen two different styles that Washington can win a game by. So teams are going to have uh, struggles game planning for them, and uh, that can only bode well for the Huskies down the road. It was great to see Azeem Victor back on top of the leaderboard, leading the team with 10 tackles, his physical presence out there. Uh, he had a welcome to college football moment with Steven Montez if he hadn't already. But man, you, it didn't look as bad on TV, but I was right there. He annihilated that Colorado quarterback. He hit him hard. Oh, oh yeah, he did. And um, somebody was speculating on the on our message board that he was 250 pounds. Well, I, I, I believe Azeem is lighter than he's ever been. Yeah, which is at 225, 230 pounds. So, um, you know, he's he you're you're 100 percent right, Kim. He does bring that physicality. He's a tone setter for the defense. Um, he really, you know, just I, I don't know if he was just kind of feeling his way back, if he was 
not a hundred, a hundred percent, you know, cause he had to work his way back into football shape after not having played since last, what last mid November, early November. Yeah. So, um, you know, when he got injured against USC. So, um, we just didn't see a, a, a guy who asserted himself, um, in those two games, you know, the Montana and the Fresno state games, but last, uh, sat on Saturday, he sure did. He had 10 tackles. He led the team. And uh, he brought that physical presence that Washington had been missing in the middle of their defense. Scott, you've been aware of Ryan Bowman for a long time. Did you ever see this coming? Well, I, I think we anybody who watched him in high school knew he could get after the quarterback. But I thought he was limited athletically because he didn't have the size of a defensive end. But he really didn't have the athleticism of a linebacker. So... You know, I thought he could be a guy who bent the edge, but I didn't think he was going to be the guy who was able to get pressure off the edge like he is. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly thought a guy like Bryce Sterk or, um, you know, Benning Potowai would, would have a better chance of doing that. But that hasn't been the case. Ryan Bowman's been their most consistent pass rusher. And you know what? The coaches don't care if you're a walk-on or if you're a scholarship guy. If you can get pressure on the quarterback or you can make plays from the position where you're, we're asking you to play – we're, you're going to play, and you're going to be a difference maker for us. I, I don't think it's any surprise that Ryan Bowman is able to get after the quarterback. I think it's the fact that he's making the amount of plays that he's making. He's doing it against the run. He's doing it, obviously, against the pass, and he's even dropping into coverage a little bit. I think that's probably his weak point, but, you know, I mean, the guy is just getting it done, and, and you really have to applaud it, and you have to love the fact that Washington has a guy with his talent as a walk-on. At times, it takes a while for the way you play to get a reputation, and sometimes that reputation takes a while to get through the conference. But I'm telling you right now, Jimmy Lake has gotten the reputation. His guys are a bunch of bullies back in the defensive backfield. you got to love the way they're playing because I'm telling you, you know, from what I saw out on the field, from where I'm at, you're seeing a lot of alligator arms in this conference when they're going up against the defensive backs at Washington. They play hard, they play physical, and if you don't catch the ball, they're still going to knock you on your ass. We saw quite a bit of that on Saturday as well. Well, I, I thought Jordan Miller's interception on when Philip Lindsay kind of alligator arm, like you said, Kim, the, when he alligator armed the ball, and then it went right into Jordan Miller's arms. You know, that was an, that was an incredible interception on his part. But yeah, I mean, they they play a physical brand of football. I watch, um, I watched the uh, Washington State Nevada game, and obviously Nevada's down talent-wise, they lost to Idaho State at home, so they're not a very good team right now. They're kind of building their program back up. But you, I watched Washington State's receivers basically get free releases the whole way. Um, they were just running throughout the secondary. No one was pushing them or rerouting them or doing anything. And that isn't the case when you get in and when you see Washington play a team like Washington State. They're going to come up. They're going to be physical with you. And, yeah, they might get a penalty here or there. And they might, uh, you know, um, you know, j get into a few scuffles and things like that. But Jordan Miller, Byron Murphy, when he finally comes back, uh, Austin Joyner, Miles Bryant, those guys bring an attitude, especially Miles Bryant. For a guy that's not that very, that big, he plays. I I think Miles Bryant, for a guy who's what five eight, five nine, whatever he is, he plays like a guy who's six one, two hundred pounds. And and you have to love that, and that, and that's the big reason why he's playing so much in Washington secondary. If there's a guy on the roster that's listed at five nine, how big is he, Scott? 
well, I, I don't, you know, we get in so much trouble from the Husky media people when we, when, when they see us talking about a guy being shorter than what they are, they're like, no, that's the official height and weight that we measured them in at when they, they got here. So I'm going to go with what it says on the roster, but yeah, he definitely seems shorter than what they have him listed at. But yes. the thing of it is, Miles Bryant, he's he's a little bit thicker than uh, most think. So he's pretty well put together. And boy, I'm telling you, they really, really had Colorado confused on that play. Um, you know, that he intercepted. They brought guys in, made him look like they were blitzing. And Jimmy Lake said post game that the guys were saying that they that the Colorado guys had no clue what was coming at them, and they were able to trick him into that because. Steven Montez thought that Miles Bryant was going to come on a blitz and that was going to be right wide open. So he anticipated the blitz and Miles Bryant just kind of stepped back and it looked like he was throwing the ball to Miles Bryant on that pick six. Well, oh, I know that was, that was an incredible play by Miles Bryant, totally deked him and, and uh, he stepped right into it. And like you said, Kim, it looked like it was thrown right to him. I mean, it, you know, as a fan that might not understand the game that well, you might say to yourself, why would he throw that past the guys right there? But when you're anticipating a guy to come, you just throw that ball, assuming that your guy is going to be right there. And his receiver was going to catch the pass, but Miles Bryant just happened to step in front of it, and it was an easy pick six for him. Uh, um, LaVon Coleman out this week. Uh, Adam Jude reporting that he had a concussion, expecting him back next week. Miles Gaskin talked about him returning next week. Uh, Oregon State coming up this week. Oregon State really struggling. A lot of people had them picked as kind of the dark horse in the Pac-12 and expecting them to get to a bowl game. Oregon State just looks horrendous right now. Oh, I agree. that Their real only threat on offense is uh... – Ryan Nall, the running back, and and because of that being the case, he's not able to get three. He hasn't been able to do anything offensively, really get get loose or anything like that. They're uh, what one and two on the season. They had a bye last week, I believe, and uh, but they're zero and one um, versus the Pac-12. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I I really like Gary Anderson. I think he's a pretty good good uh, coach. Oregon State has always been that team that um, it's kind of fun to see them step up and get their program running every now and then and, and challenge for a bowl game. But, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a name-your-score kind of game for Washington. I think Washington's going to roll on this one pretty easily. Well, we got a 5 o'clock start down there? Yeah, 5 o'clock start. We're going to be on the air, Dogman, uh, me and Chris Fetters. We're going to be on from noon until two, and then we're going to hand it off to the Honks from uh, two, to, two to five. And, and uh, so it'll be a long pregame, but uh, be something people can tune into and enjoy. You had a chance to go down and see Colson Yankoff over the weekend, Scott. Looks and sounds like he's not quite 100% the quarterback commit out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yeah, um, he, he doesn't look 100%. I'd say he's probably 75-80%. He's, um, he's a, a guy who really relies on that, his athleticism. He's still recovering from that meniscus that he suffered uh, during track season. And so, um, basically what, uh, um, you know, I talked to his dad who was on the sidelines during the game and he goes, yeah, he's actually back a month earlier than he was supposed to come back. And, um, you know, we're, we're just, uh, um, playing it by ear about how he plays, but you know, he got after it with Camus. 
Kansas is one of the best teams in the region, not not just the state, but in the region. They destroyed Central Catholic from Portland, Oregon. So Washington's got um, a, a guy who can really play. He, he threw for, I want to say he completed uh, close to 70% of his passes for 250 yards. He um, uh, had uh, one touchdown pass. He did have two interceptions. One of them was a bad throw. The other one was tipped. So, um, and then he rushed for close to 150 yards and had a 65-yard touchdown run. So the guy can get it done, even though he's only 80%. So I'm really interested to see what he looks like as a as a uh, guy who's 100%. So he'll um, come in, in in January as well as Jacob Sermon, and uh, that'll be a fun battle to watch between those two guys for the backup job, or maybe not even the backup job. They might. Uh, you know, because KJ Carter Samuels could end up coming back. So, but they they can battle to see who gets the the start once Jake Browning leaves, either this coming fall or, or next year. And you saw an old acquaintance on the sky on the sidelines down at Camus. <laughs> yeah, I saw Johnny Nansen, and I walked up to him and I said, "Seriously, you, you you didn't steal enough from the University of Washington?" And you know, we talked for a few minutes. You know what, Johnny Nansen gets a rap from people and I, and I understand why I've always enjoyed Johnny Nansen. He was always good to, good to me, good to you, good to all of us. Um, we've seen him at camp since he's left and he's always great. Um, I talked to him for a little while. They're, they're, uh, they're feeling really good about their defensive line commits and obviously, um, but the guy that they really like down there is Brandon Peely. The guy that all of us thought would, would last maybe a year at USC and be gone. The, the kid from, uh, uh, from Alaska who transferred down to Oregon, they got him, and, and he said that kid can play. And uh, he's their best freshman offensive lineman. So um, keep an eye on that down there. And uh, But, yeah, Johnny Nance was there. They're recruiting uh, Colson Yankoff, obviously. Um, I, I wouldn't worry too much about it. It, it is what it is. And uh, let's, just be, let's just be frank. Colson Yankoff is going to have to take something absolutely drastic and that's what, what i mean by that is chris peterson is going to have to reti- decide to retire and go into the peace corps before colson yankoff leaves the husky uh coach you know leaves the husky uh commit list he is a dog first and foremost and he will be here in january a little bit of recruiting news kind of uh, surprising i was kind of surprised to see that the offensive lineman from woodenville woodenville uh kate beresford committed to Washington state over the weekend. Any surprise there, Scott? So no, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I guess it surprised me maybe by, um, but they already have, uh, I think his name's Andre Dillard. They already have him from Wilson or Wilson. I'm sorry. Uh, Woodenville over there. And, and, uh, Kate Beresford just felt really comfortable over there. I, but the timing doesn't surprise me because the kid has a lot of offers. I think he really likes, uh, Washington state staff. And I think, He's, he's really happy with his decision. Now, that being said, Washington hasn't offered yet, and they're looking at him. And if Washington offers, I'll be surprised if he doesn't flip. But, you know, that's stating it here on September uh, 20, 25th. You know, I mean, what's it going to be like three months from now if Washington offers or two months from now? So um, I'll be real interested to see what happens with his recruitment. It's just something to keep an eye on if you're a Husky fan. Don't be surprised if they offer, and don't be surprised if he ends up flipping. 
Five o'clock kickoff at Oregon State on Saturday. The guys from dogman.com will be on at uh, 12 to 2, followed up by the Husky Honks. And then Tuesday, every Tuesday night throughout football season, you can always catch us on Sports Radio 950 KJR from 630 to 8. If you're looking for daily updates in your inbox, make sure to check out, just send us an email, just uh, huskystadium at gmail.com. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, and we will get you those updates in your your inbox and uh, expect that to pick up quite a bit too. Some stuff going on with the network and the site where uh, content is going to be more frequent as soon as we get a couple of things in place. So just kind of in a little bit of a limbo and expect a lot more headline news from the guys from dogman.com. Anything else we need to go over, Scott? Uh, no, not right now. I, I think, uh, you know, I guess we're, we need to wait and see what uh, Peterson says about some of these injuries and and uh, Chico McClatcher, I think one that all of us kind of want to find out about today is actually his birthday. Um, I believe he turned 21 today. So um, if if that's the case, man, it's we really need to see what's what's going on with him as far as his uh, his ankle injury. It sure looked like it was an ankle. It could be a knee, but it looked like it was an ankle and it did not look good. So um, everybody, you know, whatever your belief system is, think good thoughts, say prayers, whatever it is. For Chico McClatcher, hopefully he's able to come back this year, but uh be interesting to see what Coach Peterson has to say about that. Other than that, I don't have anything else. Yeah, just a quick note down on the sidelines. Chico had a pretty big uh, brace on his knee under his um, football pants and his socks, so he had that pretty big knee brace on the left knee. It definitely was the ankle. He got rolled up on. The thing got twisted pretty severely, so... Um, it will be interesting to see if Coach Pete has anything to say about that because if you ask him about injuries, he just doesn't like to talk about it. So, Well, uh, unlike another uh, head coach in the state of Washington, he won't threaten to kick you out, though. Oh, God, Softy and I were talking about that. If, if, if we would have been there, we would have. We, well, the, our follow-up question would have been about injuries. <laughs> I promise you. Me, Adam, anybody there from the Washington press, if, if that would have been us, yeah, we would have asked about injuries right away. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I mean, it is what it is. He, you know, they love him over there, so he, he's going to do what he wants to do. It doesn't matter. All right, hey, for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Scott Eklund. Go dogs.